0: It's difficult to find beauty in death. 1941, World War II is going on, and uh, the Germans have come up with a ghastly ideology of purging the earth of Jews and they developed these death camps. Probably the most famous one is Auschwitz. And in February of 1941, a Franciscan priest named Maximilian Kolbe gets marched in to this death camp. There was a custom amongst the Nazis that if uh, any one person were to escape from any one of these death camps. And for every one person that escaped, 10 people would be executed. In July of 1941, a man escapes from Auschwitz. All the prisoners get marched out into the courtyard, and the SS soldiers stand before them, and it's silent because when they were in the courtyard no one was allowed to speak that was reserved for the commandant of the German forces overlooking Auschwitz overseeing Auschwitz this man Maximilian Kolbe had come in in February and in just a few short months had made an incredible impression upon the Jews that had been held captive there he was Uh, fondly known as the Saint of Auschwitz. As he gave up his bunk bed, as he shared his food, as he constantly picked up the lack where uh, the, the slave labor, the hard labor was being done, he would fill up the lack so that there would not be punishment for his fellow Jewish brothers and sisters. But this one day in July, all the Jews are lined up. And the commandant starts calling out names. The custom was that 10 men would lose their lives. And as he calls inmate number one, there was the slow march to the front, knowing that you were walking to your death. You would call name number two, and there would be a shuffle of feet as the second would come and stand before the commandant. Name number three, and four, and five. And name number ten was a man by the name of Jovanovic. And as he came to the front, he could not hold back his weeping. And as I had said, it was against the rules to talk, to utter a noise. And in his weeping, he cries out, my children, my wife. It was surprising, the historians tell us that he wasn't shot on the spot. Suddenly all the SS soldiers whose attention has been put on these ten men, start to turn, they raise their rifles as there's a shuffle amongst the Jewish inmates. And as they start to look, they see a man starting to push his way to the front. And this man comes to the front and an SS soldier stands in front of him, blocks his way to the Commandant. The dogs are barking as they are used to being set loose upon anyone that would not follow the rules of the camp but it would appear that God's hand was over that entire situation. The fact that he wasn't shot, the fact that he wasn't clubbed, the fact that the dogs weren't let loose. And the SS soldier barked at him, what do you want? And without fear in his eyes, without any hesitation, he said these words, I want to talk to the commandant. And without waiting for an answer, he stepped around the SS soldier, and went and stood in front of the officer in charge of all the troops. And the commandant looked at him, and again, there was an eerie silence because this had never been done before. The commandant said, what do you want? This man turned, looked at Gajanovich, and he said, I want to exchange my life for his And because this Franciscan priest, Maximilian Kolbe, who was the man that had stepped forward, the saint of Auschwitz, understood something of the Nazi thinking, he very cleverly twisted the commandant's ear by saying this, I am an old man. I am unable to carry the load of work that you require. This is a younger man. He will serve you better. The commandant in that moment said, request granted. In that moment, Maximilian Kolbe looked at Kijanovich, and Kajanovich wasn't allowed to say anything. And it's recorded several years later. Kajanovich recalls that moment, and he says, I was unable to speak. All I could do was thank him with my eyes. As I battled to understand what was going on, Here was a man who had willingly and voluntarily chosen to exchange his life for mine. I cannot grasp it. Those ten men were marched off to a separate chamber, and the custom was that they wouldn't be gassed, they would be tortured through starvation, no water, no food. Nine men died through starvation. One, Maximilian Colby, survived the time frame that was required and ended up being executed by lethal injection. There is seldom beauty in death. But there are occasions. There are occasions. This was a story of one man exchanging his life for one man. Maximilian Kolbe died on August the 14th of 1941, and Gajanovich goes back to Auschwitz every 14th of August. Gajanovich survived those brutal years, and he goes back to remember every year on the 14th of August this man that exchanged his life so that Gajanovich could walk free. We find ourselves here on Good Friday. What are we doing? Maybe the question why do we get together? Like Adjanovic, we gather together every Good Friday to remember a man who exchanged his life in order that we may walk free. There was another father, like Ijanovic, who came to a moment in time where he also wept aloud and cried out, my children. And it was in that moment that Jesus stepped out, if I can just use a little bit of figurative imagination, stepped out of the crowd, walked forward and said, Father, I'd like to step in their place. Would you take me? In exchange for his life. We read in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14 to 16: Since the children have flesh and blood, he too, talking about Jesus, shared in their humanity so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death. That is the devil. And free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. For surely it is not angels he helps, but Abraham's descendants. What happened those six hours one Friday? As many of you know, we've been talking through this as a series for the last couple of weeks. Six hours one Friday as we try to remind ourselves and grapple with what took place on that cross. And we know that Jesus did many things while he was on this earth. He taught, he prayed, he healed, he did all of those things. But that was not his primary purpose. We read in Mark chapter 10, verse 45, The Son of Man did not come to be served. He came to serve others and give his life as a ransom for many people. What happened on that hill, those six hours, one Friday that we come this year and every year to remind ourselves of? was the exchange of life, so that we could walk away and know that our life is not futile, know that our failures are not fatal, and this weekend, of all weekends, we remember that our death is not final. Today we will remind ourselves that there can be beauty in death. His death. To the casual observer, there was nothing different that Friday executions were common under roman rule and so having that many people within the town would not have even blinked an eye they would have seen three people walk up and uh, and it's certainly to roman rule it would have just been three men that deserved to die according to them nothing unusual but if you can come with me into a little world a little story that helps paint a picture of what took place there was a doctor at that point in time, a physician. And in those six hours, he was just having a normal day. The beginning of those six hours, 9 a.m., he went in and there was a mother, about a lady about to give birth, to become a mother. And as he went to attend to that as the physician, he welcomed a, a new life into his hands. And as he wiped away all the baby stuff that's on, the, what's it called, vernix, uh, the, the, the baby stuff that's uh, on the baby, he, as he wiped it out of the eyes to try and allow the baby's eyes to open, he welcomed new life, held the hands, smiled on his face. And as he was enjoying this moment and handing the baby over, new life into the hands of a new mother, so he gets called to go and help an old man who's breathing his last He runs off and finds an older gray-haired lady sitting beside the bed of her husband who she has loved for many, many years. And as she has served him in his latter days, as sickness has overtaken, so the doctor was there to help him as he took his last breath, his last gasp, and the physician closed his eyes. Just like any other Friday, in those six hours, there was nothing out of the usual for this doctor. Welcoming a baby, opening eyes, closing the eyes of another, life and death. But the doctor did have a thought. He had several thoughts and wanted to, uh, to grapple with them. And he was asking these questions. Why do we heal? Why heal the sick only to postpone death? Why give strength only to see it ebb away? Why be born and then begin to die? Who points the crooked finger at death's next victim? Who is this one that with such regular randomness separates soul from body? To the casual observer, these six hours are mundane. But to the handful of awe-struck witnesses at the cross, this is a remarkable occasion as the most incredible of miracles is occurring. The God of the heavens, the creator of the earth, is dying Spit and blood are caked to his cheeks his lips are cracked and swollen thorns rip his scalp his lungs scream with pain his legs not with cramps taut nerves threaten to snap as pain twangs her morbid melody and yet death is not ready there is no one to save him because he is sacrificing himself this is no normal six hours one friday far worse than the breaking of his body is the fact that the people that he was born into had turned his back on him and actually called for his execution. That one of his disciples, his 12 innermost friends, was the one that planted the kiss of betrayal. That his closest friend, Peter, denied him, turned his back on him. And yet something far greater was taking place those six hours one Friday his father in heaven was also turning his back on him as jesus stepped forward to exchange his life for us the pain of a union broken a witness could not help but ask jesus do you give no thought to saving yourself what keeps you there what holds you to the cross nails don't hold gods to trees what makes you stay Over the middle cross where Jesus was dying, there was no demon of death. There was no squadron sent for him. This Satan had reserved for himself. And as Satan stood and watched over that middle cross, watched the sniggering of the soldiers... Watched the cheering of the Jews who had sent him to be crucified. Watched Jesus' friends and mother and Mary weep at his feet. He couldn't help but jeer and snigger to himself that he was winning a victory. And then there came a moment. Then there came a moment where Satan, in all of his pomp and ceremony, acted like the physician and closed the eyes of Jesus. What he did not know was that that is when the war began. The war that he would lose. God has not forgotten us, friends. The message of the cross is that God did not give up on you and that God did not give up on me. That is the message of the cross. When Joseph was dropped into a pit by his own brothers, God did not give up. When Moses said, here I am, please send Aaron, God did not give up. When the delivered Israelites wanted Egyptian slavery instead of milk and honey, God did not give up. When Aaron was making a false god at the very moment Moses was with the true God, God did not give up. When only two of the ten spies thought that the creator was powerful enough to deliver the created, God did not give up. When Samson whispered to Delilah, when Saul roared after David, when David schemed against Uriah because of adultery, God did not give up. When God's word lay forgotten and man's idols stood listening, God did not give up. When the children of Israel were taken into captivity, God did not give up. He could have. He could have turned his back on you and on me. He could have walked away from the mess. But he did not, he did not give up. When he became flesh and was the victim of an assassination attempt before he was two years old, he did not give up. When the people from his own hometown tried to push him over a cliff, he did not give up. When his brothers ridiculed him, he did not give up. When he was accused of blaspheming God by people who didn't even fear God, he did not give up. When Peter worshipped him at the supper but cursed him around the fire, he did not give up. When people spat in his face, he did not spit back. When the bystanders slapped him, he did not slip back. When the whip ripped his back, he did not command the awaiting angels to stuff that whip down the soldier's throat. When human hands fastened the divine hands to a cross with spikes, it wasn't the soldiers who held the hands of Jesus steady. It was God who held them steady. The next time you have questions, like the physician has questions about life, about your purpose, about your value, about a reason for living? Would you march that thought straight out to the hill, out to Calvary? Would you march it to the cross where with holy blood the hands of Jesus remind us God would give up his only son before he would give up on you? God would give up his only son before he would give up on you. Buried in the words of the Son, Jesus Christ, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Comes back the answer of the triune God, because I would not forsake humanity. Matthew chapter 27, verses 46 to 50 reads like this. About three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lema sabachthani? Which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? We go back to the story. A father who was turning his back on his only son. When some of those standing here, there heard this, they said, he's calling Elijah. And immediately one of them ran and got a sponge and he filled it with wine vinegar. He put it on a staff and offered it to Jesus to drink. And the rest said, now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to save him. And when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. I wonder if you've ever given consideration to that. Those those of you that have read the story time and time again, he cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And then it goes on again to give this account. When he had cried out again, he gave up his spirit. What did he cry out? What did he cry out? Jovanovic, my children, my wife. What did he cry out? John chapter 19 gives us the answer. John records this very beautiful moment. Beauty of death in verse 30. When he had received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. And with that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit, his life in exchange for our own lives. And because he died for us, we get to live without finality. It is finished. The declaration of the completion of the mission of Jesus on earth. He came and he taught. He came and he prayed. He came and he healed. But his purpose was to come and give a ransom for your life, for my life. He came to give a ransom for your family's lives who are not sitting in this room and who do not yet know Jesus. He came to give a ransom for your work colleagues. He came to give a ransom for your boss. He came to give a ransom for those that work under you. He came to give a ransom for your children. He came to give a ransom for your parents. He came to give a ransom. And those six hours one Friday, when Satan came and closed his eyes and thought that he was done, all Jesus could say was, it is finished because he had accomplished his task. It was God who held him on that cross those six hours one Friday. The sacrifice was made. Jesus had stepped forward out of the line. And if we can just picture this moment, I'm hesitant to, uh, to refer to the commandant and the father in the same breath. But there was justice that needed to be served for sin and rebellion. And Jesus steps out of the line and says, Father, I will exchange my life for all of these standing here who rightfully should die. It is finished. Six hours, one Friday, radically, radically changes your life, radically changes my life. And it happened. Because God did not give up on us. What will you do with the cross, friends? What will you do with the cross? What will you do with six hours one Friday? Do you come here year after year as Jovanovic does to remember Maximilian Colby, One man who gave his life for one man. Do we come back every year to remember one man who gave his life for all men? Fully appreciating what we have been given. Our lives are not futile. They're not purposeless. Our failures are not fatal. And our death is not final. This is the offer that God makes to us. God did not give up on you. Which is why for one moment he gave up on his son. as John comes up to lead us in a communion moment. I would wonder if there are any here that have never put their trust into this Jesus Christ. Have never taken hold of the six hours one Friday when Jesus declares it is finished, His life exchanged for your life. If you have never said yes to receiving forgiveness for your sin, forgiveness for our disposition of rebellion against God, we have never said yes to receiving life. An exchange was given, and the offer is made. If you've never, ever accepted that offer, but today you would want to say, hey Rich, I want to accept the offer that Jesus Christ made. I want to stand forgiven. I want to know my Father in heaven. I want to spend all eternity with Him. I receive this offer. It's a free gift. It costs Jesus everything, but it's free to you. I'd wonder if you would just have the courage, just raise your hand to get my attention. I'd love to pray with us and help us take our next step. And then John's going to lead us in communion. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? I'm so pleased I uh last week there were four people that made a decision to give their life to Christ. And uh I see one of them is back here, which is beautiful that there may be one or two more of you that are that are here, but I, I'm just so grateful that God is in the business of transforming lives. You stand in good company today, my friend of people that have made a decision to put their trust in Jesus. And so, Jesus Christ, we want to thank you that today, as we stand in remembrance of what you did those six hours one Friday, that you exchanged your life for our lives. We, guilty and condemned, deserving to die for the sins that we have committed in our rebellion against you, and yet you've stepped in and taken that upon us, and you give us the offer of life. We want to thank you, Jesus Christ, that it is finished. We want to thank you that there is no striving. And we thank you that we just received this gift by the power of the Spirit of God. And so we want to thank you for salvation for this gentleman. We want to thank you for this decision. And we pray, Spirit of God, as your word says, as the Scriptures teach us, would you give yourself as a deposit guaranteeing our future inheritance? So would you come upon this man in power to confirm the life and the forgiveness that he has received? We thank you for new life. In Jesus' name, amen.